This is Macro Monkeys, where macroeconomic analysis meets the markets through the eyes of retail investor monkeys. Content provided is solely for informational and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendations of any kind for any security, futures contract, transaction, or investment strategy. Trading securities can involve high risk and the loss of any funds invested. Please consult a licensed professional for any specific investment advice. To our weekly stock cheat sheets video, also where our macro monkeys get together and where chicken power users come to try to game the system in advance of um, 2023 here. I think we're going to go into a little bit of a, maybe not a quiet period because we have Fed coming up. We've got CPI data. We've got unemployment data. We got jobs report. All of that ahead here over the next few weeks. And obviously uh, how the consumer handles the uh, Christmas season is probably going to have some bearing on, on next year. But uh, I got a feeling that whatever happens for the rest of uh, this month, the next AA has nothing to do with what will happen in the market next year. I think basically the... Uh, uh, the major league baseball begins again on January 2nd. You know, um, yeah, I, I agree, Mike. I totally agree, especially this week as we record this on Monday, the 21st after market. Um, I, I, you know, obviously Thanksgiving later this week, I think we just kind of drift. But where's the beef lady is looking for some volume and some liquidity. Yeah. I think there was, you know, a, a, a million uh, E-mini futures traded today, which is pretty low volume. Where's the beef lady tried to sell puts on uh, EWW, the Mexico ETF, and uh, 25-cent bid-ask spreads, one of the most liquid ETFs out there. Wow, really? I never, I didn't uh, I didn't see that. Um, you know, I, tr- I actually tried to get filled on some Mexico today, and I just, uh, yeah, but I decided I didn't want to pay that price. Yeah, that that's yeah. Not, a, not an attractive spread. All right, so we're going to do um, a few things today. Let me, um, let me start by sharing my screen so you get the vortex of death. What I want to do is put up the CBS Market Watch data, uh, just so I guess it's not CBS anymore. It's just Market Watch data. Okay. But I thought it would be good to kind of get an idea of uh, what the talking heads and the uh, macroeconomic reports were going to be this week. And that can guide us into then a discussion about the market and kind of where we think uh, things are headed. So let me share my screen. Here's the vortex of death. And you'll have to let me know whether or not you can see my screen. All right. See it. I'm hitting share three times now. Yep. Here it comes. Okay. I imagine it's probably a pretty quiet week being a holiday week. Yeah, you would think. Um, but here we are. Um, so we definitely don't have uh, too much Fed speak. Esther is coming back. To, uh, she's out tomorrow. She's the one who basically tried to help upset the markets last week and uh, had a kind of a one day. I mean, the market has been kind of soft here the last few days. So I, I guess she was successful. Yeah. She's, I think, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, she's the one who basically said she would need some to see some serious signs of economic contraction before she's willing to uh, vote with her um, reduced rate hand in the air. Uh, yeah. I mean, not, not to, not to go off from the calendar here too far, but since we're talking about Fed officials, I think the most interesting last week was Bullard who came out, um, and, and, and basically recited the Taylor rule, which is something that came out in the early 90s um, that, you know, in a nutshell suggests that, you know, Fed funds have to be equal to the rate of inflation to be effective, which yep. basically would mean, you know, Fed funds rate, you know, at 7% or, or thereabouts. And um, I found it interesting that he made those comments and in, in the market just kind of went, huh, yep. okay. Yeah. Well, and, and in fact, he said basically that we are not yet at restrictive. Yeah. 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 And. I, I think I wonder at this point if the market is just kind of discounting 
fed fed you know talking heads well you know you probably save you a little a few keystrokes here but what is the uh fun fun fud say that five times fast without using the uh, the f word the fed fund futures what's the uh pay to play um version of not only this coming december but i'm curious what the handicaps the handicapping is of january um, you know, I don't know what the January number is. I know that the, the overwhelming consensus right now is that December is going to be a 50 bips. Yep. I'm, I'm seeing that too. You know what? I, I can't remember the direct link to, uh, woo. And, and, and I think that the, you know, the terminal rate right now is somewhere just under 5% they, right. is, is the estimate. I think Bullard was suggesting six. Yeah. Um, to, to be, you know, equal with the rate of inflation, right? But quite honestly, I don't think I'm in that camp anymore just because the, the amount of um, deflationary data is starting to get overwhelming. Yeah, no, Outside I Outside of food and energy. <laughs> Outside of food event. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I do agree with that. And, you know, the curve is kind of telling us that too, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I won't be able to look at a, um, I won't be able to look at the, um, you know, comparison. What do you like to do these days? Is it the uh, the two and the ten? Is that what you're mostly looking at in terms of the uh, the bond uh, yield differential? Yeah, I mean that's kind of the uh, the entry point. But you get into it and you start looking at it and you realize that it's inverted. You know, up and down. Now markets do bottom, generally speaking, nine months before uh, corporate profits bottom. So you know we're kind of on track to i mean the the thing about corporations is they really do know how to react to metrics these days and uh, they'll get their inventory right by q2 and my guess is by q3 whatever corporate profit recession that we end up having will probably be largely in the bank and i would say that um, you know it might be a rocky first half of the year but i'm a little bit more optimistic barring some kind of really bad macro thing like china decides this is the year we got to take taiwan um obviously we can't predict that but i'm i'm a little bit more optimistic than i've been and not because i'm seeing anything in the market technically uh that that makes me feel that way it's more really a matter of timing and then you know looking back at bear and bull market cycles you know every every seven years we tend to go through a correction and um and uh hopefully we're done here um with a little bit you know maybe one more big blow off sell off uh, to come and then we can start climbing the wall of worry so, so, so just to summarize your thoughts and not to put words in your mouth, but do you think that there's the, the next, you know, one more big sell-off, do you think that puts us at a lower low? Boy, who knows? Um, yeah. You know, who knows? Uh, you know, that's one thing is I, I know we're, we're doing macro first, but I, I've extended my red line here. Mm. And again, for me, the bear market is all about this, um, this uh, uh, widening uh, bullhorn or megaphone price target. We've talked about this before, yeah. for those of you not watching the, the video. But essentially, we're about 100 points away from testing that. Right. You know, and I think we get above that and stay above that here. Really, I think this is the ball game here is this, uh, I guess we're on the SPY. So it's the 430-ish level. So that'd be what, 4,300? Yeah, so just just to provide a little play-by-play, you're you're pointing to basically that 4,300 level, which was the August highs in the S&P. Right. That would be, if we can get above that, then I think the market is probably up. uh, done with this bear market doesn't and mean then, there wouldn't be another one right but sure. uh, uh we'll see but that's a long way from now and i think we've got to get to 4100 and stop the downtrend that would be kind of the next thing to do but that all starts with the macro so we have durable goods coming up on wednesday i think that's the last sort of um maybe a more of a forward-looking 
price point because that really does speak to the you know the big ticket items that wholesalers are having factories produced, and so that'll kind of give us a gauge on the consumer, I guess. And I would expect that will be a um, you know probably an inline number because at this point, if you haven't gotten the memo yet, the consumer is not going to have money for big ticket purchases next year. Right. right. So they're expecting a four percent point four percent expansion. And um, I'm sorry, that was last month, right? That was uh, that was the previous, and, and and I think that is the forecast, right? So basically, a 0.4 is what they're looking for. And then uh, we have uh, claims, and again, you know, that was the other thing the Fed said last week, and I kind of agree with this: is that you can't have this tight a job market and have inflation licked. I agree with that. Yep. So I think the rate of increases will continue. Um, and then, you know, more manufacturing data. Uh, so tomorrow's kind of a forward-looking day, or Wednesday is, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and then we have the Michigan Consumer Sentiment uh, Report. That's the um, kind of the final one for November, I think, right? Yeah, and that's been, you know, pretty pessimistic from from the consumer's uh, standpoint anyway. Yeah, still above 50, though, and healthily above 50. Okay. So still not on the, um, you know, the, the wrong side of 50. Although, you know, anything under 70 is not great. Right. Right. Um, and then new home sales where they're expecting another contraction. I think mm-hmm. we, we did about 603,000 last week and uh, or last month, and we're going to do 572 according to the experts. Yeah. And, and existing homes are also, you know, well south year over year, obviously. Yeah. obviously. And what are you writing a uh, 30 year fixed for right now? Uh, let me see. I priced out yesterday. It was 6.8. So we're back under seven, but, you know, up high, high sixes. And I'm assuming the uh, clients that you have looking into this, by, by the way, AA is a, a local mortgage broker uh, in Denver. Uh, so mm-hmm. you should look him up. What's the name of your business again? I'll give you a little plug. Oh, thanks. Uh, local Advantage Mortgage in, in Colorado. Uh, AA actually watches the bond market. I, if I lived in Colorado, I'd have him as my uh, agent just because he's somebody that actually uh, kind of looks at that and gives you an intelligent reason to lock instead of just wetting his finger and putting it in the air like just about every other uh, mortgage and uh, real estate uh, agent do. Uh, thank you for that. It, yeah. Um, so, but again, I, my my guess is that you're probably having more clients default to whatever the the three or five year arm is. I mean, what's the most popular product right now, given the uh, the climate? You, you know, not to go too far down that rabbit hole, um, uh, but the most the most popular product is 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 something they've come out with called three uh, a buy down, basically in in various you know durations where um, you, you get the seller or the builder. Uh, to contribute a concession, which then basically buys down the interest rate for a period of time. So the first year you have a you know a, a two point discount, the second year you have a one point discount, the third year you go to to you know what what the current par rate is. But the thinking is by that point you can refi, and, and I kind of agree with that. Got it. So it's something that comes off the price of the house, but then rolled into the mortgage as a discount. Yeah, not even off the price of the house. It, it, I guess it could be, but it's a concession in one form or another from it, from okay. the seller. Yeah. All right. And then um, how are uh, what what about clients getting successfully underwritten? How many last minute snafus are you seeing? I mean, on a percentage basis or I remember you were a little concerned that, you know, obviously, while the housing market has and is still correcting, right, where houses are losing value every month, um, there's a worry about, um, you know, the, the value of a home. I guess I guess the big bigger issue is less about valuation, right? Because things are as long as you can um, 
uh, as long as you can afford the mortgage insurance and you can put your 20% down, right? You're, um, um, you're in pretty good shape. It's the, the issue or. is probably qualifying for a loan. Yeah, either or. And I got to be honest, you know, my clientele and, and the experience I've had here, at least in the Denver market, I know it's all, you know, it's all local, very dependent on, on locality. But yeah. um, my experience here is that um, of the few buyers that are still in the market, they're mostly very well qualified. Got it. And uh, but what you're telling me is that the housing market kind of sucks right now. Uh, yes. Um, the volume is just down bigly as they say <laughs> yeah thank you for that yeah all right and then um, next week we get back and i think that we have a chance probably to have the market move a little bit uh, volatility has just taken a dump have you seen we were down i don't know what happened um late in the day today but we were we were threatening falling below 20 yeah i mean uh, where did we close the vix actually closed uh 22.3 today so um apparently close higher than than the intraday low and what was the whip sell on oil, if you know, or is it just market act, action? No, I think there was there was you know some uh, some headlines behind it uh, earlier in the early in the day. There was a headline that the uh, Saudis were going to propose increasing production, um, and then later in the day there was another headline that said that the headline no, <laughs> about the Saudis increasing production was uh, not true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't see the uh, at eighty dollars a barrel. I can't no. see these guys getting excited about increasing production. No, no. I, I actually see the opposite. Yeah. So I, and the oil recovered then on the headline whipsaw. Correct. Okay. Yep. All right. So next uh, next week we get employment reports, and we're still looking for. Well, we don't know yet, but uh, we added uh, close to a quarter of a million jobs the month before on ADP. Of course, an ADP and the uh, uh, the the government report that comes out on Friday are often different, although they were pretty close this time. Yeah. The farm was only 20,000 better than ADP. You know, recently within the last, you know, 12 months, ADP has um, redesigned um, their report. They've made some changes to their, to their uh, process. And I think that's helped it. So again, we're, we're talking about nearly a quarter of a million jobs. Now, some of that is a little bullshit, right? There's a lot of seasonal yeah. stuff in there and there's definitely a, um, Especially in the tech sector, you're starting to see some, you know, pretty, pretty chunky layoffs, right? They're in the tens of thousands now, right? Um, so I expect that'll probably catch up with us a little bit, right? And but though, you know, also remember those tech layoffs. We've been seeing so much of them in the news. Those are people that you know make a pretty decent salary, I think, yeah. for the most part, and also will depart with uh, what I can imagine to be a pretty decent severance package as well. Yep. So, so they have some runway. Yeah. That's the, yeah, that was the point I was trying to make. Um, and I think uh, one of the things that is true about this bear market, future bear markets, and even recent bear markets where they, they haven't lasted as long as I do think U.S. companies have never been better. Uh, well, companies in general uh, have never been better at being able to manage the decline, right? They get on top of stuff quickly. Mm-hmm. They don't accidentally overorder inventory two quarters in a row. They're quick on the hiring freezes and the layoffs and, um, you know, to the extent that there, you know, that there are any layoffs to be had. And I do feel that um, the metricization, thanks to all the technology improvements and the sales systems and this, you know, the CMSs and all that, um, there's a very quick reaction time to, um, you know, declining economic circumstances, which is why I'm a little bit more bullish about next year. I just feel like the the, the decline will be managed very well, as long as, there isn't a black swan surprise out there that we don't know about. And that's, of course, a, 
a big issue and it could come in the form of a who knows if this uh if this bitcoin failure is done are you hearing about any are there any rumors about uh, besides the poor guys from el salvador the millennial president of el salvador invested yeah. uh, 70 million bucks of his company's country's money which they don't have a lot of that was like a huge amount of their operating budget um on a speculative play uh, to become the uh the south south american dubai right or right. central american dubai that didn't really work out yeah you know i haven't heard much about it that probably isn't already widely known and right. and you know i'm no expert at it anyway it seems that this story still be written uh, still being written so yep. um you know who knows i mean so the bitcoin you know down today uh yep. you know with another thousand bucks but you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear now that that there's a direct correlation between Fed liquidity and cryptocurrency, right? Like, no question. I think it's hard to deny that. Boy, no matter what the bear market is, there's always that poor stunk that had his or her paycheck direct deposited in the company exchange. In the case of the FTC, uh, FTX, and uh, you know, uh, the uh, I, re I remember back in 2000 when we were working in radio, you had a lot of I not me, I never did this, but. Uh, some of our the co-managers when we were operating, you know, radio stations and making money hand over fist. Remember, a lot of managers were just putting their money into Clear Channel stock and letting it ride, letting it ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we're seeing what what happens when you lose your job and the company goes belly up. Not the Clear Channel ever went belly up, but yes, it did actually. Kind of, yeah. Needed yeah. a bailout loan. Yeah, it's just not diversification to to get your paycheck and your investments at the same place. Yep. Yeah. All right. So market moving uh, activity at the, uh, you know, three on a five point scale probably next week. And then the following week, we should get our, you know, the, the number that we care most about, which is the inflation number. You know, there's one thing real quick I want to talk about that I think is going to be moving um, market moving next week. And in order to do that, I, I just need to mention the fact that the, the, you know, the yield curve is pretty much inverted from um, from the one month to the 10 year. Uh, it, it, it is inverted up and down the curve and also it's it's inverted and this is a pretty rare occurrence where the 10 year is now higher than you know the effective fed fed funds rate so there's that there's that inversion now as well and we should and, explain for those in the home game i'm going to try to show etfs that reflect uh the the rate differential that double a is talking about but etfs of course are trading the underlying bond prices so bonds trade opposite to rates so yeah. what you see Going down and possibly reversing direction here is the uh, short duration one to three year treasury uh, uh, bond ETF SHY, where there was a bit of a personality change here in the last 10 trading mm -hmm. days. Mm -hmm. and, and, and remember, um, you know, the Fed only controls the shortest end of the curve. Yep, kind of right. what we're looking at. This yeah. is as tight as I can get, I think. You know, so the, so the Fed can, w their actions will control, you know, the months out, uh, you know, a year or two. And, and as you go further out, their actions have less consequence really in the market. So for um, example, the TLT, which is the uh, long end of the curve. Right. That the TLT is, you know, the, the 20 year. So uh, you can see the difference here. SHY bullish in the Chaikin platform. Now we're looking at and the TLT bearish. Right. So, so as the Fed continues to hike, you know, they'll, they'll continue to push the shorter end of the curve up then the inversion will become more more dramatic because the longer end of the curve is saying economic slowdown right and the shorter end of the curve is is responding to the fed 
And 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 so the point I want to make is next uh, Wednesday, the 30th, Jerome Powell has a scheduled um, speaking engagement uh, where I can only imagine that he's going to come out and do what he's done the last three times that he's had these opportunities to speak following a market rally. Yep. Yeah. He's going to throw a wet face cloth on it. He is going to try and, and, and piss all over it for, for eight or nine minutes, just like he did at Jackson hole. Yeah. Um, and, 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 the, and the, another reason I mentioned the, the, the yield curve, going back to what you said about expectations next year is that the bond market to me is saying, you know, that the there's, there's a recession ahead and that, it, you know, um, uh, growth and activity are, are going to be negatively impacted. Yeah, interesting. The 10 year has sort of um, kind of rolled over here, a little double top action. Yeah. So the, um, you know, again, the market is always forward looking. And I would say the forward look here is that we're getting, at least the market believes that we're nearer to the end. And are you, but you, in your opinion, you think cold water wake up and off we go again for one more leg up here that this little declining, um, whatever, this falling rectangle will be yet another just example of an intermediate pullback and we're uh, we'll be headed higher in rates and lower in bond prices. You know, I, I, I don't know if we'll get a higher higher um, or not. I, you know, obviously in the short term, I think uh, Powell will do what he can to to get a little lift out of that and and, and cool the markets a bit. Um, but I think the more to the point is that looking forward 2023, first half, second half, maybe even 2024, I think the market's telling us that that there's tougher times ahead right so so that earnings per share may be less um things like that that the recessionary environment is going to produce a less explosive stock market oh for sure uh, although here's what i would say i th i think that the the stock market itself will be way ahead of the economic reality true i agree yeah. with that yeah so I, I would start looking for, if I'm a trader, I'm starting to look for a turnaround in the back half of next year. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, so anyway, and so let's um, let's just establish where we are in the market and then we'll go to Chaikin and see where the fundamentals say we are. And I think those two things, the technicals and the fundamentals can give us an idea of what the trading environment is like here for the, you know, into next year and how we might set up our portfolios. Okay. So I'm going to use the U.S. futures since we're after hours here. But again, that's that same decline. This is the line. This is the bear market line right here. And we have made a series of uh, long to intermediate term lower highs and even lower lows in this uh, kind of uh, spread out pattern we call a bugle. The bugle pattern really has gone full stop here since the beginning of the summer. Well, maybe midsummer. Right. We had this touch over here in uh early, I guess, you know, mid-June, mm -hmm. and we've gone sideways. Basically, we're in a sideways market uh, on an intermediate basis. Intermediate to now longer-term basis, I'd argue, for our trading time horizon. Yeah. And uh, how we do with this diagonal resistance, which I expect will will fail here. That, that would be my expectation. And I think, uh, you know, the market may rally on some data points ahead of Jerome, and then Jerome will crush us back down and we'll, we'll yeah, that's, take another leg lower. And that's kind of... That's kind of my opinion, too, especially when you start looking at, you know, I'm, I'm, and I'm sure we'll get there to some of the tech names. Now, before we do that, let's look at a couple other things. Sure. There's another significant change, and that's in the dollar. And I think that that is this is a significant reversal. Um, you know, this was kind of a bit of a line in the sand. I guess you could argue maybe this was here, but uh, triple top 
Um, we're in the middle of a throwback retest now, so I guess we'll kind of see where the neckline is. That'll be respected. But this trend, which had been, you know, pretty much all a year in the making, is, yes. uh, has been broken. You, you know, not 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 to be too visual for our audio listeners, but there's a clear uptrend, you know, going back many months that you just pointed out. And if you were to draw that, it actually leaves quite a bit of room still to retrace. I know you have a horizontal line that we're looking at on the screen, but there's still some some room if it if it gets through that to a to a horizontal. And again, just to make it clear for those not uh, not watching um, or everybody, the there's inverse relationship between the strength in the dollar and um, the strength in, in the market. Yeah, clearly the dollar goes up when the market expects the Fed to be raising. Yeah. And the dollar goes down when the and again, we're always way ahead of the reality here. That's right. the, that's the nature of markets. Right. So the market is telegraphing a uh a softening pace of rates ahead. Yeah. And uh and but your expectation is Jerome is going to do some damage here and the dollar may rally. You, you know, I just th I just think that it's too easy and it's not going to go down in a straight line. Agreed. Yeah. We're definitely in agreement on that. I think the market is kind of struggling right now. There's a lot of different uh, conflicting data points. All right. And then the, uh, the sector you're most bearish on, and I would say if we're going to take a shot on the short side, this is the place to do it. Although again, and this is tech. Yep. Yeah, this is tech. This is the NASDAQ. I'm looking at the futures on the queues. And uh, so we're again in a little bit of a basing pattern here, double bottom, Tried to break above that double bottom. Had a weak day today, down mm -hmm. you know almost uh, a full percentage point, right? Yep. And so the question is, do we come back down here and retest, or are we going to rally up to, you know, these levels uh, in the uh, thirteen thousand to thirteen eight level? I guess it would be on the queues. But this one looks like maybe the weakest part of the market. And some of the big components are, are, you know, we have to dive into it, but just as an aside, some of the bigger components in the NASDAQ are, are showing weakness and, and slowing momentum. So obviously, yeah. yeah. And by the way, the Russell, which had been, you know, earlier this summer, sort of leading the market higher, that sort of lost its luster a little bit lately. This is the RTY, which is, again, the futures version of the Russell, but this mm -hmm. would be the IWM during uh, regular trading hours. And it's sort of doing what the NASDAQ is doing. The best um, index, I'm going to actually go to the ETF now and get out of the futures, is the, uh, the, the multinational mega caps, the Dow 30. And this is a dollar play, in my opinion. Yeah, I was going to ask you what you think is behind this, but it's the declining dollar. I think so. But I think this is important. This is our first index. Now, again, I'm not saying this is going to hold. And we know a failed breakout tends to have the opposite direction. But this is the first bear market line that's been crossed. Yeah, so so just a uh, little play-by-play, -play, the the Dow is threatening to break out to a higher high against the high set in August. Yep, and what we are seeing on the screen right now is that we've we've broken through diagonal resistance, mm -hmm. and um, that is the first step in what I like to refer to as a valley peak valley reversal. So the dollar was the catalyst for it, and uh, it just means that multinationals who are earning profits overseas don't get taxed by that foreign currency differential of the more expensive dollar. Yeah. And uh, so, um, you know, weak dollar, better for um, better for markets, multinational markets, um, uh, stronger dollar, uh, harder to turn those profits overseas into profits uh, domestically because you have to buy back into dollars that are more expensive right. compared to the currency that you made the sale in. Right. Okay. 
So uh, to me, this is a the first kind of green shoot uh, that I've seen on a longer term basis here. And I've been uh, trading the uh, Dow bullishly lately and have been for about a month. If you look over here on uh, Cheat Sheets, which is just, again, another um, another way we organize the market. And you go to StockCheatSheets.com and get a free data service um, every day. I actually uh, organize these cheat sheets into the close. The first thing I point out, and this is basically anything that's liquid right now. So the, we take out all the stuff that's illiquid. And these ETFs are the most liquid in the market. And I blow this up a little bit. This is not a relative strength report. This is basically a scorecard. Very few parts of the market are net positive, meaning when you look at long-term, intermediate-term, and short-term factors, there's very few parts of the global marketplace. And here's the S&P kind of stuck in the middle at a 38%, what I call a tailwind score. And again, we just assign a value to different uh, parts of the market. And, and where we're struggling is on the, long, the long-term side of things. Um, but where are we turning around and showing the best uh, uh, scores? Well, it's the Dow, it's energy, in the form of oil services, even though oil has taken kind of a hit lately, and uh, Mexico. And I think Mexico is explained as a decoupling plague versus China. We got to build our widget somewhere. And with China, between China and the U.S. not getting along and the, uh, the uh, Mexico being a source of cheap labor that's close to the United States, it's and, the best and, and place NAFTA, to industrialize. And a NAFTA country. And a NAFTA country, right. So you have yeah. a lot of things going uh uh, for you. So I am bullish of Mexico. And what's the most puzzling to me is the Eurozone. And the only thing I can think of is that the Eurozone can't raise um, nearly as aggressively as the Fed because they've got some weak countries in there whose bond prices would be, I think, horribly affected by too aggressive a rate hike yeah. at, by the ECB. And so as a result, the Eurozone has just been outperforming for a while now. <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense. They've just got the worst economy. Although I'd, I'd be curious, and I don't know the answer, but I, this just dawned on me. I wonder what percent of that ETF is made up of Germany, because Germany's been outperforming, and 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 for you know, ever Germany has been you know the rock of the eurozone. Um, it it kind of holds up the whole thing for the, for the most part. And I know Germany's been doing quite well recently, and I wonder if it's just Germany outperforming on a relative basis. It could be. This is the top 50 stocks on a market cap basis across okay. the Eurozone. But uh, what you'll find if you um, if you go to stockcheatsheets.substack.com, um, the best parts of the market are actually France, Austria, um, Netherlands are three really? examples. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so there, I did a country stack over the weekend, uh, which I sent out, um, I think it was uh, um, Saturday or Sunday. So it doesn't have today's trading in it. But you'll you'll be able to see the eurozone broken down into more parts. Very cool. Yeah, because um, the DAX looks very similar to the Dow, by the way. Yeah, and that makes sense because I think uh, the prediction again, markets. What I think is uh, tough for newer traders is markets tend to reflect the future news, not the current news. The current news for Germany is pretty bad, right? The uh, the fact is though that Germany since August has been crashing, right? Mm -hmm. So. Here's, here's what AA is referring to, is we have a valley peak valley reversal here in progress. We don't have the upper valley yet. We just have the higher peak. So we've got our our, lo our lowest low. And this I'm doing this on weeklies just to kind of cut out the noise. And then we had an explosive move, I'd argue, past our most recent intermediate term high. So yep. this is now an, a higher intermediate term high. And what we'd expect then is a throwback retest, probably of this diagonal line here that I'm drawing. For those of you who are 
listening on, um, uh, you know, on an audio podcast, just imagine a long downtrending channel. We've broken through that channel now. And we're probably going to retest it, the downslope, and we'll see. We'll see if we start running. My guess yeah. is it's more likely Germany goes sideways for a while. Yep, yep. Which, but the, yeah. the bad news about the winter and German factory output being affected by the horrible energy situation, um, that's, I think, kind of that news is yesterday's news for in terms of market participants. And they're looking for, you know, at least a stemming of the bleeding. I think more people are convinced that this Russia-Ukraine war is closer to its end than its beginning. That may be a mistake. We'll see if Fed, Fed or Putin turns out to be the thing that buckles, um, you know, is the least the least uh, uh, buckling of the future predictions. I have a feeling Putin's probably um, probably going to dig his feet in here. Yeah, not be I as agree. easy a, a mark as the as the uh, the global pundits are suggesting now. We'll see. Hmm. All right. So anyway, um, and then the other thing that I thought was interesting, double A was gold. Um, we're we're kind of at an inflection point, but it did predictably. I've kind of drawn a line here that I've had in place for years. It- and, and and really, given given this is a dollar play, also right. Yeah, I think so so, too. so, I think so, so given given the dollars trying to find a little support here, it makes sense that the gold gold's given a little back. Yep, yep. And it hit its head on what's been kind of an uncommon touch point. I probably need to yeah. adjust this a little bit, but uh, maybe it's slightly higher. But I think this this line at around eighteen hundred is probably a pretty good one for gold. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then of course, uh, base metals are doing better, but I'm not going to show that. Um, and then we did interest rates. Let me just put a fine tooth comb on that. There's the interest. Again, these are weeklies, and this is not a pretty chart at all. But, um, you know, again, this is actually just looks like a big old bull flag. I think this probably, this setup favors your thesis that Jerome is about to give the market a cold water wake up and that I there's a possibility that um, we might push higher one more time on rates. We'll see. You, you know, I mean, this is the 10 year, right? TNX. So yeah. that three, eight, three, nine level, I think is, is the line in the sand. If we, if we get back above that with, with conviction, then, then it becomes a false breakdown and, yeah. and new highs may be ahead. Yep. So we'll have to see about that. And of course, this is a weekly look. Here's the daily look. And uh, there's something on a, I, I'm hoping that I see in Shaken. I'll just point it out here in case we don't see it in Shaken because the oscillators I use, all right, and we're going to get now into a little bit more of the technical part of the uh, the discussion. But the, uh, there's been some divergences around that I'd like to share with you. And I'll, sh- I'll show them to you here. I'm using what's called the stochastic RSI. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to see a ton of, uh, although this one's not making, this TNX is not making a higher high. You're going to see a bunch of stocks making slightly higher highs, but higher lows in this oscillator. Or I'm sorry, lower highs in the oscillator. So, so basically, if I can, if I can summarize it, w- what you're describing for our audio listeners is is higher um, prices, I guess, in the short term, um, but of divergence with with the RSI, which is a you know a, a measurement of momentum. Yeah, and this isn't the RSI. This is the stochastic RSI. So it's a it's basically a turning point. Right? Okay. So think of this as the my version of the overbought oversold right. oscillator and shaken. This comes pretty close to it, although it's not a perfect match. Um, and we, I learned uh, what Shaken is using for that. It's not the stochastic RSI. Um, it's a proprietary metric. But here you see we're making a series of intermediate term, higher highs and higher lows on the IWM here. This would be a higher peak. I think you'd agree with that, right? I would. At a series of uh, higher peaks and higher lows. But here, the oscillator, when the Russell hits its head on that long-term diagonal 
declining line we've been talking about all meeting here, we did not get that same height in the oscillator. So the momentum cracked uh, along with price at a predictably lower point. This would suggest perhaps the path of least resistance in the near term is lower for the Russell. And that's just a, for example, if you go in and look at stocks, you're going to see a ton and a lot in the NASDAQ that you want to trade. Yeah, exactly. And and what you're describing is what I, what I saw also is that just the momentum is slowing and and the volume is is divergently. So yeah. And divergently slow. And the volume is confirming that. I think we've both given us, given our best ideas today and probably a good time for us to wrap it up. That sounds good. Yeah. Um, Thank all the uh, subscribers and Macro Monkey listeners for for joining us for another episode. Yeah, thanks for allowing us to do a discount weekly video where we consolidate three different constituencies. Uh, where do I go to, uh, to get uh, to get Macro Monkeys? Wherever you get podcasts, uh, we're everywhere. If you're interested in subscribing to Cheat Sheets, cheatsheets.substack.com. If you're interested in Chicken Analytics, uh, don't contact us. Go right to the Chicken Analytics um, website, and there's information about getting onboarded and getting licensed uh, for access to the software. Sounds good, Mike. Thanks. I hope you have a, a happy holiday later this week. You do the same. Good Turkey Day, AA. Yep. Let's hope Jerome Powell doesn't stuff us next week with bearish <laughs> oh, news. Oh, I hope he does. <laughs>